there, I'm Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Casey Cantrell. And welcome to Animation and Beyond. And this is the last episode of Animation April, and today we will be talking about Artiman Studios, or Artiman Animation, as it's sometimes called. Yes, that's right, and we're going to talk about this unique and creative, innovative studio based in the UK, best known for creating things we know and love, like Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Run and Shaun the Sheep. Yeah, and specifically, it's most well-known for being one of the last studios that still does stop-motion animation. But before we get going any further, we have a trivia question to answer. Last week's trivia question was, who was Lightning McQueen, the main character of the Cars franchise, based on? You probably think he's based on Steve McQueen, who's a former race car driver, but he's actually based on the late Glenn McQueen, who was an animator from Pixar, who died during Finding Nemo's post-production in 2002, and Finding Nemo was dedicated to him, and Lightning McQueen, the main character from Cars, which was undergoing development at the time, he was named after him. Interesting. I didn't know that. I thought it was Steve McQueen, too. Yeah, I know. Interesting. Okay. So that was the answer to last week's trivia question. Stick around to the end of the episode for another trivia question that you'll have a shot to answer. And for now, let's do an In the News segment. I did read recently that Scoob has been put back on its previously scheduled date, May 15th, but because of the closure of theaters, it's going to be on demand and digital, similar to what happened with Trolls World Tour. Yeah, so it had originally been postponed until later this year, I believe. I think a lot of studios were waiting to see how Trolls World Tour was going to do, because that was the first really experiment to see, could this format be successful? And given it was that a lot of people watched it, I think you'll see a lot more studios now jump on that bandwagon of releasing their films digitally. I know. And speaking of movies coming out digitally, Disney just announced that they are releasing Rise of Skywalker on Disney Plus early, two months early, so it will come out on May 4th. Yeah. Google has done flashback of their doodles, which are their interactive game doodles from their homepage from the past several years during the time of the virus to keep people from their boredom and ha- ha- make them be entertained. <laughs> yeah, certainly people are bored right now and, and scrambling to find things to do. Let's see, any other news that's come out recently? One I did see is that Mulan is going to come out July twenty. July 20th? Yeah, I think July 24th, actually. Oh, 24th. Okay. After being postponed because of the virus. Also, Apple TV Plus has released a new short-form show based on the classic 80s show Fraggle Rock called Fraggle Rock Rock On. And HBO Max is, is officially coming out May 27th. And I saw trailers for exciting things they're doing, including Looney Tunes cartoons, which is a series of new shorts based on the classic Warner Brothers cartoons. 
and also the not too late show with Elmo, like the, the late show with Jimmy Fallon, but family friendly. And I think Friends is coming to HBO Max as well. It's called Friends Reunion, and it was going to start production this spring, but it got postponed indefinitely due to the virus. But in the coming weeks and months, they'll find a date when it'll start filming and when it'll come out. But the, the show itself, the original show from the 90s and early 2000s, that is going to be available on HBO Max, which I know is going to be a huge draw for a lot of people who are fans of that show. So there's a lot of streaming options for people at home right now. Yeah. Okay, so that was some of the news that we've been following recently. Now I think it's time for a feature presentation. Like all the other studios that we've talked about during this month, we've talked about uh, some of the movies created by Ardman before, and we certainly have talked about their stop-motion work. I am a huge fan of stop-motion. I, For some reason, for me, it's just really satisfying to watch. I think part of it is how tactile it is and how grounded it is in a way that other forms of animation aren't. But before we get ahead of ourselves, because I'm sure we'll be talking about stop-motion a lot, let's discuss a little bit about the history of this studio. Yeah, Ardman was originally founded on the 12th of April in 1972. Unlike other studios, it's it's been around for a long, long time. And whereas for, I think for the other studios that we we're talking about where they came from, either they came out of already existing studios or, you know, were founded by people who had a lot of experience in Hollywood and in animation, this was completely independent. It was just two friends who decided to open their studio to try to pursue their dream of creating an animated feature film. So for a while, for about 20-some years, they really just made animated segments for TV shows. They worked on commercials. They worked on music videos. It wasn't until the early 90s where they finally found their footing with creating animated shorts. Most famously, the original three Wallace and Gromit shorts. A Grand Day Out, The Wrong Trousers, and A Close Shave. Two out of three of those shorts had won Oscars for Best Animated Short Film. Yeah, and there was another animated short they made called Creature Comforts that wasn't, it wasn't a Wallace and Gromit short, but that was their first production ever to win an Academy Award. So already in about five or so years, they had won three Academy Awards for shorts that they had produced. I mean, that's a huge amount of success in a short amount of time. I know. Creature Comforts, I remember, was a really funny show with animals being interviewed, and it was a mockumentary kind of show. There were different types of animals, like dogs, and there was hamster, and walruses, two slugs, a cow, pigs, a chimp, a gorilla, different types of animals being interviewed, and I thought it was a really funny idea. Yeah, and I think it kind of captured... Ardman has a very particular sense of humor. Obviously, they're based in Britain, so they have a very British sense of humor, so it's a lot more, I don't want to say restrained, but it's it's more subtle. You know, especially in, if you look at the Wallace and Gromit shorts or movies, the two main characters. One is an inventor who's very talkative and very cheerful, and he loves cheese. 
And he does Rube Goldberg contraptions. And then the other, his best friend is Gromit the dog, who is intelligent, but he he doesn't have any lines. He doesn't talk. And he also has no mouth. Yeah, he doesn't even have a mouth. And the, the sense of humor is just so kind of keyed down when you compare it to American animated films, where it's so much more in your face, so much more loud and brash. And that's not to say that it's that sense of humor is bad or worse. It's just very different with Wallace and Gromit. It's a lot more subtle. It's There's a lot of wordplay. There's a lot of subtle jokes, a lot of puns, that sort of thing. I know. And Wallace and Gromit was created by British animator Nick Park. He's an animator from the UK, and he's most famous for creating Wallace and Gromit. Heels and Creature Comforts, as well as the film Chicken Run, the highest grossing stop motion film. Based on the success of their shorts, they went into creating their very first feature film called Chicken Run. I know, which was released in 2000, which was made by Ardman in collaboration with the newly formed DreamWorks studio, which we talked about weeks ago. So lots of people are familiar with DreamWorks, but not as many people are familiar with with Ardman, though. But Chicken Run, it was first conceived in 1995 by Ardman co-founder Peter Lord and Nick Park. Yeah, and so that relationship that they established with DreamWorks, they signed a, a huge contract to make four films after Chicken Run. But Chicken Run, when it came out, was a huge, huge success. A crit, and it was also acclaimed by critics and won many awards, including it was nominated for some Annie's, but it won a British Film Critics Award for Best Animated Feature. It's one of my favorite animated features ever. I like that one, too. I mean, it's just a fantastic film. There are some chickens who live on a farm somewhere in the UK countryside set during the 1950s and in a clever way it's representing World War II and there are chickens who live in coops and there's a greedy woman who plots on turning chickens into pies named Mrs. Tweety and there's Ginger the leader of those chickens and then she meets a rooster from a circus named Rocky and he's trying to help them learn how to fly and escape the farm where owned by this abusive and cruel Mrs. Tweety who comes up with an evil plan. Really funny, I remember, like, the two rats were funny, and so were some of Ginger's friends, like Bunty and Mac and Babs, those other hens, they were really funny. It was also really funny was the grumpy old rooster, Fowler, voiced by the late Benjamin Whitrow. Yeah, that film, I know, Artiman's already developing a sequel. 20-some years later, they're going to be producing the sequel. I don't think it's been announced yet when it'll be coming out, but... It sounds like they're working on it as we speak. Yeah. You know, the one thing that I think sets Ardman Productions apart from anyone else is just how freaking charming they are. They are just so delightful and so much fun in its slapstick, in, in its humor, in the way that it shows these characters developing. And it's just it's just so much fun. I had a classic song from the 50s called Blip, Blop, and Fly. Like Flip, Flop, and Fly, Don't Care If I Die by Big Joe Turner, I remember. Flip, flop, fly, I don't care if I die. Flip, flop, fly. I ever thought it was really funny and amusing, too. And it was set in the 1950s, and it was interesting that 
Mrs. Tweedy's farm kind of, some people believe it kind of represented the Holocaust in a way. Because some people thought the chicken coops looked like concentration camps. I don't know if that was intentional or not, or if it just, you know, it was coincidental. But I do think it lends the film this kind of thematic undercurrent that makes it really special and makes it really emotionally powerful. Hmm, interesting. And maybe in some ways, some people may have thought Mrs. Tweedy was like Hitler. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's the film is about escape. It's about trying to reclaim one's freedom. And I mean, it's really, it's a really powerful film for some. But I really like the, that overall it's a comedy film. Still maintains an upbeat attitude and it's still very, very funny. I agree, yeah. We talked about Chicken Run. Next, we're going to talk about their 2005 feature film based on their award-winning Wallace and Gromit shorts. The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, which I think we've talked about before on an episode. But we didn't talk too much about it. It was in a DreamWorks episode, but we didn't talk about it too much of it. Yeah, so I mean, that was the first time they adapted Wallace and Gromit into a feature film, and it was very well received again, just like all of their Wallace and Gromit features or productions. I know, and it was released in 2005, and director Nick Park and Steve Bach referred to it as the world's first vegetarian horror film. (laughs) I know the original title of the film was called Wallace and Gromit, The Great Vegetable Plot, but they changed the title to The Curse of the Were-Rabbit because the market research didn't like it. Their Wallace and Gromit run a humane pest control service called Anti-Pesto. There's an event happening called, which is an annual event called the Giant Vegetable Competition, where the people in the townsfolk are trying to protect their veggies. And there's the bad guy in the movie was, was a cocky and arrogant and not very bright hunter named Victor Quartermain, voiced by Rafe Fiends, who acted in a very similar way, I thought, to Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. He had a crush on Lady Toddington, who was a wealthy aristocratic woman who lived in a mansion. Right, and in the film, they have this idea that they want to protect the vegetables from these rabbits that are eating all them, breaking into the gardens and eating the vegetables. So Wallace invents this machine that theoretically will brainwash the rabbits to stop eating them. But not in a way that kills them, in a way that's kind. Exactly. There's a creature called the were-rabbit, some sort of monster. Right, who comes out at night, and it's a it's a giant rabbit that eats all the town's vegetables. So they have to do this investigation to figure out what's going on, what is this rabbit, where did it come from, and try to stop it. But it had an interesting surprise plot twist you, you didn't see coming. Right, and spoiler alerts for anyone who's interested in watching this film. As it turns out, we think Hutch, that big rabbit, was the beast, but it turns out this whole time Wallace was actually the were-rabbit because of the accident in that machine. Because he had been connected to the rabbit, and so for whatever reason, at night he transforms into the were-rabbit and eats all the vegetables. It was only because of a technical accident that happened. And Victor, though, the bad guy, was scheming, and he was up to something, I remember, and he was pretty evil, and so was his dog, Philip, who wasn't very likable like Gromit. So after it's discovered that Wallace is the were-rabbit, what happens? They have to find a way to fix it, fix the machine, and change brains back to, to the way they were. And Victor, who's playing the villain in this film, he he tries to kill Wallace, He's just a selfish guy who's very full of himself. He, do, he doesn't care. And he was, he's not very bright either. 
And so Gromit has to step in and save Wallace's life. Yep, and and save Lady Toddington, I know. She had been kidnapped by Wallace as the were-rabbit. So in the end, there there's all these mishaps as Gromit's trying to save Wallace from Victor and Philip. And Wallace basically has to, as the were-rabbit, has to sacrifice himself to save Gromit. And then at the end, he turns back into Wallace... And then Gromit's a hero. There, there's a there's a kind of suspenseful moment at the end where it seems like Wallace has actually died as a result of his sacrifice. But then, <laughs> since Wallace loves cheese so much, Gromit actually brings some some stinky cheese to him and uses that to revive Wallace. Cheese. Jeez! I'm saying like a lot of Disney films have that. We think they they die, but they come back. Yeah, it's it's a common trope, but I I do <laughs> I do love that it's cheese that brings him back to life. I know, and this film I know was considered like Chicken Run a critical and commercial success. Just like Chicken Run, it's a lot of fun. Definitely worth a watch, and I think and we... it was also really funny and amusing too. Yeah. A year later, they did one, which was their first computer animated feature film, but it wasn't as critically or financially successful as its previous two features. It was called Blushed Away. We actually talked about that movie for DreamWorks. It's interesting because the next two films they made, Flushed Away and Arthur Christmas, were both digitally animated films. You know, they're known for their stop motion work, but they have worked on computer animated films. Ardman, like, flushed away because of the financial disappointment, they split up with DreamWorks. That ended that partnership, and then they created a partnership with another studio that we've talked about, Sony Pictures Animation. So there's a lot of interplay between all these different studios that we've talked about this month. And so Arthur Christmas was produced with Sony, and... Also Pirates Band of Misfits. They went back to stop motion with that one. Pirates Band of Misfits starred Hugh Grant, and it had a, it was based on a novel called The Pirates in an Adventure with Scientists. And there was a, an outcast pirate captain who wasn't the greatest or biggest or most popular one, and he wanted to win a Pirate of a Year award. And then Ardman after Sony switched in collaboration with Studio Canal with a couple movies of Shaun the Sheep based on their Shaun the Sheep TV show, as well as Early Man, a... Uh, a historical sports comedy film. Yeah, Shaun the Sheep was very popular. It received universal acclaim, just like Chicken Run, just like Wallace and Gromit, and it was successful enough that it spawned, not I guess not a sequel, but a, a second standalone film called Farmageddon a few years later. I know, and it's based on the Shaun the Sheep TV show, which they did. And can you tell us about who is Shaun the Sheep? He first appeared in... In the, A Close Shave, the third of the original shorts from the 90s. And Sean the sheep in that show, he lives on a farm with a friends or a flock of sheep. And they like having fun on the farm in the countryside. And their next door neighbors are some pesky and mischievous pigs. And their best friend is also a dog. And what's interesting to me is that like Gromit, Sean the sheep is completely silent. He has no lines of dialogue. So all the communication in the film it's physical and i and i think that's where ardman really plays 
best is it's because with the stop motion they can really play up the physicality of these characters in a really fun way. I know. That show, Sean the Sheep, also got a spinoff targeted for the preschool audience called Timmy Time, which focused on Timmy, the little sheep from the show. Armin is probably most known for Wallace and Gromit, but I think Sean the Sheep has probably been more successful in terms of TV shows, in terms of movies. It's a really successful spinoff from the Wallace and Gromit series. I know, and Artman, though, has done a lot of shows and things and all kinds. Late in the 90s and early in the 2000s, they produced a show called Rex the Runt, which was made for older and more mature audiences. It was a pixelation comedy, and it had dogs in it, and it was a little creepy yet funny at the same time, and it was clay animated. But that's not the only show Ardman did made for adults. They also did Angry Kid, which was stop-motion animated. It was also a black comedy, and it had off-color humor. But I heard it was really funny. They've always produced quality stuff, and it's definitely a sense of humor that really stands the test of time. I mean, Chicken Run is still just as funny today, and it's 20 years later. I know. So, I mean, what do you like the most about this studio? What What... I like that they've done beyond other things, too, like apps and things and for technology and things like that, as well as for like commercials and things, as well as making shows and also lots of really cool things. Really, in a sense, stop motion has been around forever since the first kid played with some objects and just play acted characters just created a story with these characters. I mean, we've all done that, where we played with action figures or, or just random objects and, and created a story out of that. It's a very fundamental form of storytelling that they participate in, but they've really elevated it to an art form that's a lot of fun to watch. And I mean, I don't know how many other studios. There's Leica, which we've talked about, but outside of that, there's not really that many studios who still do stop motion animation. I know, they're such a very unique studio. Yeah, definitely one of one of my favorites. And Wallace and Gromit, which are their most famous for from what I created, is what I grew up with when I was a child and I used to be very obsessed with. <laughs> and I can see why. I mean, it's a great show to, to watch as a kid. It's, you know, it's funny and light and interesting kind of animation to, to get into as a kid. All right, so I think that'll be it for this feature presentation. <laughs> So that is the final episode of our Animation April series. We hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did, talking about some of our favorite studios who've produced some of our favorite movies. Again, thank you so much for listening. If you like what we do, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash animation and beyond. Before we let you go, we have a trivia question to give you. Disney's first usage of stop-motion animation. Okay. So if you know the answer to the question, give us a shout on Facebook or send us an email at animationandbeyond at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Animation and Beyond. Bye! See you later. <laughs>